Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Caps alongside Jordan Shiro. Jordan, how you feeling? You still hungover? Uh, I'm not hungover. My headache's slowly starting to go away, but uh, it was a really, really fun time in Vegas. Was there? Got there Friday night and uh, drove back on Monday morning. So, but it was a good time. I went back with my uh, college buddies, and uh, it's kind of like a football weekend. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, some couple upsets uh, on Sunday, but one uh, I felt pretty good about uh, predicting last week. So uh, how about those Dolphins? Yeah, man, you were harping on it all week. You you took them on the money line. I think you texted me on Saturday night, having already placed a, a sizable wager on the Dolphins money line to begin with. And then you were like, I think I'm going to go and double that. And yep. lo and behold, you made yourself, I'm sure you probably made everything you might have lost at the tables while you're out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going into that game, um, I just had a feeling uh, Miami was uh, really surging going into this uh, big game against Buffalo. And I know Buffalo, how good they are. But then the reports started coming out that uh, Jordan Poyer was out. And then they were going to have um, Micah Hyde was out for the year. And they were going to have like. Was out. Yeah, they were down, I think, five defensive starters going into the game. Yeah. So then I was just like, okay, so, you know seeing what Jalen Waddle and Terry Kill did last week, I'm like, they're going to feast in this game. So I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm feeling really good. And, and then, uh, and then Tua goes down and he leaves the game and I'm just like, uh Oh, and then, but luckily he comes back and it's a, it's a crazy finish. Josh Allen had a guy wide open and threw it into the dirt. And so it was crazy. And then the, uh, the uh, butt punt, uh, you rarely ever see, and then, uh, and then it comes to the end, and they can't get out of bounds. And I'm literally sitting in the sports book, yelling, counting down the, you know, like the seconds. The seconds and then I'm just yeah. like, it's over, it's over. It was <laughs> what a wild. Yeah, they're only down two. If they could have got out of bounds, they have a kicker who had a long leg. Yep, uh, Tyler Bass. A chance that he makes like a 57 yarder, and it would have been a Bills win by one. So yep. that must have been a really stressful finish for you. The video that went viral of Ken Dorsey, the Bills offensive coordinator up in the box, mm. going absolutely berserk and yep. looking like he broke another tablet, which is kind of funny considering after Brady threw another tablet against in the Saints game in week two, the NFL sent out a memo to all 32 teams warning them not to throw the tablets. Apparently right. Ken Dorsey did not get that memo. Yeah, I, I think he was just caught up in the moment of, yeah, like, of, course, of course, you know, because it's like, there's a lot of emotion going into that game. It was a very playoff atmosphere. Um, and he just – but it's like I think you kind of have to keep your cool a little bit. And he probably didn't realize the camera was on him in that moment. And he was taking anything he could see and throwing. and yep. It was entertaining and, for sure. But right. now, looking forward, the Dolphins have to go ahead and travel on Thursday night to play the Cincinnati Bengals, who finally had a get-right game against the Jets. They looked really good, and for once, they didn't dig themselves in a hole in the first half. They actually jumped out to a first-half lead. Um, 
And, you know, for me, when I look at this game, I think coming off of what was a big emotional win for the Dolphins, that already is potentially a hindrance for them. But also, if you watched that game closely against Buffalo, the Bills ran 90 plays. 90. The Dolphins right. ran 40 plays. The The Bills had 500 yards of offense. Like, the, the Dolphins' defense was on the field Basically, I think it was for almost 41 minutes in that game. They must be gassed. And to have to go on the road three days later against a really talented team that, albeit they've had some issues with their offensive line, quietly the Bengals' defense has played pretty well this year. So, like, I forget what is the line. I believe the Bengals are favored by three and a half, which that speaks volumes to me that the undefeated Miami Dolphins are three and a half point dogs against the one and two Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, looking at that game, um, I mean, Cincinnati's going to be debuting their brand new whites uniforms. So that's kind of cool. I saw that today. Yeah. Um, so, and this is in Cincinnati. It's just, um, it's concerning with the defense, you know, you know, you definitely take that into effect. And then Tua as well, because when he went down, it was reported that it was a concussion because he hit the back he of his head. Like he was concussed. He he was walking and then he just crumpled. I mean, the NFLPA apparently is requesting an investigation as to whether the concussion protocol was actually followed. Which I think anyone who saw Tua when he fell over, you know, it was non. He's just walking and just collapsed. I think all of us thought he was concussed after he hit his head on the turf. So it would be very interesting to see how that plays out. Well, like it actually turns out, it wasn't a concussion. He went through concussion protocol, yeah, but they're sure. saying he went through the protocol, right? But they were saying that he tweaked his back earlier in the first quarter, and so yeah, I guess in that moment when he stumbled, I guess his back flared up, and that's what they were saying. It was like a back issue, but he went through a concussion protocol, and he passed. So that's why. When I saw that, like in the moment, and I saw Bridgewater come in, I'm like, "All right, well, there goes that bet." You know, that's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you just can't predict stuff like this. And then when I saw him come out in the third quarter, I was just like, "Whoa, okay, well." Um, but yeah, I mean, like it said, didn't I, look I good. At the very least, you know, something else to be aware of when looking at this game on Thursday right. is the health of Tago Bailoa. Um, and that defense, like I said, they got to be a little bit gassed from the way that was. So, like, if I'm going one way or another, I really like the Bengals. They're playing a lot better than people realize. They held the Cowboys to 20, and in the second half of that game, their their defense dominated. Their defense played great again last week, and they finally got right offensively. So I think Cincinnati at home in prime time, I, I look for them to cover cover this line. Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I don't feel confident in, in, in the three and a half just because like, I think, you know, sure, Cincinnati beat the Jets. You know, I get it, but the Dolphins are a lot more explosive and a lot better than the Jets. Um, yeah. If anything, I would think I like if it was me personally, and I know it's on a short week, I would take the over because Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill they really didn't do much in that game, and I think everyone thinks going into like a short week it's going to be oh it's a low scoring game, but Miami's defense just like you said it's going to be gassed and. I don't know how great the Bengals defense is. So, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a lot of points in this game. So, if anything, I am I would stay away from that three and a half. But 
Um, if I laid anything on it, I would take the uh, the over over forty seven. Interesting tidbit, though. I didn't know about this until this morning. I heard a stat so far in this NFL season in the ten prime time games, so the Thursday night, the Sunday night, Monday night games, the under has come in eight out of ten. Hmm. Um, we've seen a lot of clunkers. Now, a lot of those had really good defenses, like we saw last night. We know Dallas's defense is legit. And then on Sunday night, Denver and San Francisco. So, so, I mean, I think that's baked into a little bit as to why we've seen so many unders. And clearly both of these teams have a lot of talent offensively. In another aspect that we didn't really even talk about is Tyreek Hill already talking shit about Eli Apple and, you know, the beef that they've had going back to the AFC title game last year when Eli was talking all that trash after the Bengals beat the Chiefs. Um, so that should be a really fun, interesting matchup. And you got to figure Tyreek is going to want to go off in this one for sure. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's take the team that we just talked about and lost Buffalo bills. Um, they're, uh, three and a half a point favorites, um, at the Ravens over and under is 51 and a half. What do you like about this one? I mean, there should be plenty of offense. That's for sure. Um, you know, like I touched on the bills, despite losing that game, had 500 yards to 214 for Miami. They held the ball for 41 minutes, ran 50 more plays. Like, I actually came out of that game knowing they went in without five defensive starters. I came out of that game even more impressed with Buffalo than I was going into it. It was for them to even be in the position to be able to win that game, considering all those circumstances, and to dominate statistically like they did makes me really feel confident that they are who we think they are. But laying three and a half at Baltimore, knowing the Bills' defense is still banged up and the Ravens lead the NFL in scoring, Lamar Jackson right now is playing out of his mind. 12 touchdowns to just two picks so far this year. He's rushed for over 100 yards each of the last two games. I don't know if the Bills go in and cover or even win this because it should be a shootout because between the Bills' injuries on defense and the Ravens, their secondary once again got torched. Devontae Parker had 160 yards or something like that against him. Did he really? Yeah. I mean, Mac Jones was ripping the Ravens' secondary apart until midway through the fourth quarter. The Ravens would score a rushing touchdown, mainly by Lamar, and then Mac Jones would come right back and hit a 50-yarder. It was ridiculous. There was 60-some-odd points in that game last week. So even though 51.5 is a big number – I think this game's heading to 60, maybe over beyond that. So, like, I really like the over in this one. How about you? I feel pretty confident. As good as Baltimore has been playing, I feel really confident the Bills are going to be pissed. They're going to come out, and they're going to cover this line pretty pretty easily. I, I, I think the way it ended, Josh Allen looked pretty vividly upset um, about everything that happened. So, um, they're a very championship-caliber team. I think so far they steamrolled the first couple teams. They just missed some easy opportunities. I mean, if you go back and look um, before the end of the first half, they couldn't get out of bounds. They missed a field goal opportunity. there, So there were some blunders there. So I could see them coming out being really, really sharp on offense and really kind of control this game. Um, Did you see the stat of Lamar Jackson? He had five touchdowns on Sunday, and he only threw for 210 yards. He threw for four and ran for one. Yeah, two hundred and ten well, yards and four touchdowns. Crazy. It's just a I mean, weird, a weird play offense. And yeah. I think at this point, Mark Andrews is probably the most dominant tight end in the league. I know all respect to Kelsey, but I think Kelsey's a tiny bit past his prime, whereas Andrews is kind of going into it. 
and Lamar looks his way, especially in the red zone. He had two more scores again this week. And Perriman, even though he dropped some balls, he's a deep threat. Duvernay's a deep threat. And Lamar with his legs, I mean, to be able to run for 100 yards, I believe he joined um, Cam Newton and Randall Cunningham as the only quarterbacks in NFL history to ever have at least uh, three passing touchdowns and 100 yards rushing in back-to-back games. Um, like what he's doing, I, I think he and Jalen Hurts arguably are, are tip, you know, neck and neck for front runner for league MVP. I personally mm-hmm. would put Jackson ahead of that because the Eagles defense has been dominant mostly this year and the Ravens defense has been anything but. So Lamar has had to play the way he has. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree that the Bills are the better team. Just laying that on the road, it's a little tricky to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Either way, it should be a, a super fun game to watch. We should see plenty of offense, that's for sure. I mean, this is a game, and you brought up some good points about the over. I mean, uh, Baltimore put up 37, and I know like the Bills could have scored scored more last game because they missed some opportunities. This might even be a great parlay to take the Bills minus 3.5 and, and the over. Yeah. Because I think there will be a lot of points scored in this game. And um, I just I feel confident that I don't think the Bills – Sure, they could keep it close, but I think they're going to come out firing in this game, and I think there will be a lot of points scored. But I think the Bills are just ultimately going to going to put up more at the end and 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 be able to cover that. So, to me, interesting one thing you know in the new NFL with offenses ruling the day, pretty much every game that you see, you notice whoever wins the coin toss, they almost always defer. Right, teams right. want yeah. to get the ball in the second half. But when you do that against the Bills, the Bills have scored an opening possession touchdown eight straight games going back through the playoffs into the regular season last year. That's astounding. They're approaching an NFL record. Like, I don't know if you can just keep giving the Bills the offense because it's it's just hard to slow them down. And knowing that Ravens secondary that got torched by Devontae Parker last week and Mac Jones, what is Stephon Diggs going to do to them this week? And Gabriel Davis as well. Yeah. Yeah. I could see a lot of points scored. So Yeah, you're right. If I'm going to lean one way, so a parlay might make a lot of sense there. You're right. Um, let's go to the Chargers. Uh, minus five and a half at the Texans. Chargers, I actually did a parlay on this game, and for some reason the Chargers were minus six and a half in Vegas. And I found out Herbert was playing in the morning. And – I was just like both of my friends had a parlay as well, and they took Jacksonville. Oh, you mean oh against the Jags this past week? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Jacks, Jacksonville. How can I bet on Jacksonville going into? And I was like, even if Herbert's not a hundred percent, he's probably still gonna like play well. I was completely wrong. They got smoked. Uh, Herbert looked really bad. Jacksonville had their way with them offensively, defensively. They were bad. They were just like. Every time I looked up, Jacksonville was just moving the ball. Like James Robinson had a great game. So uh, what do you think about this one? I mean, Houston's actually been playing not as bad as I thought they were going to play. play. They play really hard. hard. And they're in every game. Yep. Um, And their defense, you know, you can run on them. But their secondary has played pretty well this year. And quietly, if you look last year, the Texans, they had some random games where they played – a really well defensively as well. So there's some talent there, even though it doesn't translate to wins necessarily. And the Chargers, so this line, when it opened, it opened at six, it came down to five and a half. And when I checked an hour ago, in some books, it's already down to four. 
Like this line, a ton of money is coming in on Houston because of the way the Chargers played this past week. Right. Um, and, you know, Joey Bosa is questionable. They still don't know he's going for more tests. It, you know, you don't know at this point if he's going to play. J.C. Jackson is questionable with an injury as well. So that's very concerning for a Chargers defense that's already that was already a little bit banged up. And, you know, this in some ways you could look at this like a revenge game for the Chargers because in week 17 last year, essentially if the Chargers had beaten the Texans, they would have made the playoffs. And the Texans, you know, they were the worst team or one of the worst teams in football, and the Chargers were a solid team last year. And Rex Burkhead, ran on them, he dump trucked them for like a buck 80 and two scores, and the Texans beat the Chargers, and it crushed them in their chances of making the playoffs. And so I'm sure the Chargers will be motivated, but, you know, they've shown that they haven't shown up that run defense, a la, like you said, James Robinson and Travis Etienne last week. And the only thing the Texans do effectively, Damian Pierce finally had a pretty solid game last week. So I'm not sold that the Jags can go in it, or excuse me, that the Chargers can go in there and cover five and a half or wherever you get that line. It, you know, because it, it's volatile and it might continue to dip. Maybe there's some value if you can get it at four. Maybe it even dips to three and a half. Um, but where it is right now at places like FanDuel at five and a half, I'm staying away. But I really like the under. I, I think there's too many question marks for both of these offenses. Um, and Houston generally doesn't score a ton of points. And we saw the Chargers without Keenan Allen the last two weeks, their offense just isn't the same, especially in the red zone. Uh, with, with Without Keenan Allen, now he he's expected to practice this week, but he practiced all the last week on a limited capacity and he still didn't play. Uh, so you have to wonder, is he even close to healthy? What are we going to get? 44 and a half is the line. I think I'm leaning toward the under with this game. Yeah, it's um, Austin Eckler this year. He's, he's just not been good. He's been averaging about 30 yards per game. Um, one of the best fantasy football players, and he just can't get it going. He just doesn't seem right. He's healthy, but he just can't. He can't get it going. This I could see this game being very close, um, and I don't know, and I'm not confident enough that the Chargers are going to cover that five and a half. So for me personally, if I was if I was thinking about this game, I would just stay away. I would agree with you. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored, but I think it's going to be too close for comfort. Um, if you're looking for like a Chargers like blowout, like I don't think that's going to happen. I think Houston's going to play really, really tough on them. So, yeah, th- this is uh, this is one I'm staying away. But yes, like if I were to bet on this, I would definitely take the under based on what I've seen offensively and how the Chargers uh, have played last week. Well, and you, and you touched on an interesting point there with Austin Eckler. You know, he he's coming off a really solid season, both rushing and receiving. And albeit, you know, he's still catching plenty of balls and making plays out of the backfield. But it's been interesting to see the Chargers struggle to run the ball, which is putting them behind down in distance frequently on offense, which when you have a banged up quarterback playing with a fractured rib cartilage and without his best weapon on the outside – it makes it really difficult to pick up first downs. And if they're unable to run the football, the weakness of this Texans defense is their run defense. So it's if you're unable to take advantage of what they're weak at and you're relying on being able to move the ball through the air against their strength, it, it, it might be difficult, again, especially with the injuries that the Chargers are facing. So, yeah, I, I definitely don't think we're going to see an explosive game from either team. And, and 
44 and a half just seems like a big number for these two. Yeah, and if you look at the AFC West, I mean, if, if for some reason the Chargers end up losing this game, they'll be one in three. That yeah, that, not that AFC that they were expecting that AFC West division, the Broncos. Yeah, they squeak one out, which uh, we'll touch on the other team that they played. I'm not going to say them because I don't want to yet. Um, but they're they're kind of a mess. They have a good defense. The Broncos, the Raiders are zero and three. The Chargers look they got trounced last week against the Jags. So yeah, I mean, you would think the Chargers would look at this and be like, for us to stay close in this, you know, like to try to win this division, we cannot lose back-to-back weeks to the Jags and the Texans. So they could come out firing, but again, Justin Herbert is not fully healthy, and all it takes is one good shot. And like you know, those defensive players, they're not going to be trying to go and and trying to hurt the guy, but they're going to try to be getting to the, that blue barrier the as, yeah, as much as possible. The they're not going to shy away. Exactly. And that's all it takes because I know he wants to play, but now he's taking like pain injections. So, yeah, I just don't feel confident. So I'm just completely staying away. But if you did do, I would definitely take the under in that. All right. Well, speaking of the Jaguars, you know, they're actually sitting atop that AFC South division. They're two and one. Their defense has played outstanding. So they Mm -hmm. held the Chargers to 10. They blanked the Colts the week before 24 nothing. I mean, no, not a lot of people are talking about them. But they're playing really well. They're at home this week. Actually, excuse me. They're going on the road to face the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are giving them six and a half. Seems like quite a bit of points for a team playing as well as they are defensively. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, the Eagles look good, man. They, they look do? really good. I think they're the best team in the NFC right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts is playing at a MVP level. And... Um, the line is, uh, what, six and a half on this? Uh, yeah, like I feel pretty confident that they're going to cover that um, at home against the Jags, even though they came off that really, really good win. You know, the charge were, the uh, the Chargers aren't um, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're just on a different level right now. If it's not uh, um, uh, Devontae Smith, and who's the other receiver? I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. A.J. Brown. Yeah, so if it's not one week, it's A.J. Brown. If it's not, you know, Devontae Smith absolutely blew up against the commanders. So it's just, um, they're just a very explosive offense. Then you have Dallas Goddard. He might have a big game and they don't have a very, you know, um, number RB number one, but they just have a running back by committee there, but they're just rolling Darius Slay. We had him on today on the Rich Eisen show and, and, uh, he had a tremendous game. I think he had the, what, two, like two picks, the uh, you know a couple weeks ago so yeah, yeah their defense is rolling Jalen Hurts is rolling right now um, and as good as the Jaguars played so you got to give them a lot of credit last week I just think that they're going into a very very tough environment with a team that's extremely hot um, I absolutely love the minus six and a half for uh, the Eagles to cover that well one thing uh, that I definitely like is I do think that the Eagles they're, they're definitely the better team and they're playing fantastic football right now. Um, but their offense is mostly predicated on running the football and then using play action to get the ball downfield to Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. And if there's one thing in particular the Jaguars do very well, it's stop opposing teams from running on them. They're giving up 55 yards a game on the ground. They lead the NFL. They have the number seven overall defense, but the best rush defense in football. And we've seen Philadelphia facing a lot of second and fours and third and ones and second and twos. 
I want to see what Jalen Hurts can do when he's facing a second and nine and a third and eight, like when they're actually not consistently ahead of the chains. And I still have some questions on his ability to make plays from the pocket when he's not ahead of the chains. And the over-under in this game is 48 and a half. Now, the Eagles' defense is playing really, really well. Slay, the last two weeks, they've held Washington to eight points, Minnesota to seven points. And I know people might say, oh, it was Carson Wentz. But yeah, Carson Wentz, though, had seven touchdown passes the previous two weeks. He was playing extremely well coming into that game, and the Eagles still completely shut him down. So I, I expect Philly to play very well again defensively and slow down Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram, which are the three primary uh, pass catchers for Jacksonville. And... Knowing that, but I do also expect the Jaguars' defense to continue playing well and make things more difficult than the Eagles. So 48.5 seems like a really, really big number. And listen to this. As well as the Eagles are playing offensively, and they are. They're, they're efficient. They're scoring touchdowns. Their last two games, there's been 31 points total and 32 points total. And that's with them winning by 17 and, and 16 in those two games. Knowing how good both of these defenses are, I feel like Vegas is making a really big mistake putting this at 48 and a half. This game belongs closer to 43, in my opinion. So there is a ton of value in this under. That's where I'm hammering. Of all the bets on the board, that's one of my strongest bets of the week. I like that one. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess I think they, you know, they think there's going to be a lot of points going in that game. But yeah, like two no, no, no. Defenses. I don't think there's a lot of points in that game. I, oh, think, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. No, they if think they think that. Right. They think that. Okay. Well, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, let's go to the Packers versus New England. Mac Jones has a severely uh, high ankle sprain in that game. He left, so it'll be Brian Hoyer will be uh, taking the field for the Patriots against the Packers, who came off a two-point win against the Buccaneers. Um, they're favored by 10.5. Over-under is 40.5 in that game. What are your thoughts? It, I mean – for one, anyone left in a survivor pool, if you haven't used the Packers, which you probably haven't this week, use them this week. It yeah. is the biggest lock on the board. There is a, there is no chance that the Packers are losing this game. Uh, especially, even if Mac Jones was playing, the line would probably still be at least seven and a half. The, the matchup, everything favors. The Patriots struggled the last couple of weeks to stop the run. The Packers, are pred their entire offense is predicated on being able to run the ball. And then we actually saw... Uh, uh, Romeo Dobbs get involved in the offense, the rookie receiver. Aaron Rodgers hit him, I think, seven or eight times for like 84 yards. He had a really solid game. Alan Lazard got in the end zone once again, so he's becoming his red zone target. Uh, so the Packers are looking a lot better. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge believer in Green Bay. I still think they have some serious issues to fix on that offense as the season goes along. But New England is a mess right now. If you just watch them, they're in shambles on both sides of the ball now. And knowing this game's in Green Bay too, I don't see any chance New England goes up there. I'm happy to actually lay 10 and a half. And with the line sitting at 40 and a half, that's telling you the implied total of the game is 25 to 15 or 25 to 14 in that range. I mean, I don't think the Patriots are getting two touchdowns in this game. I think this game no. is 27 to six game. Yep. Yeah, I I think so. And then going into that 
Green Bay Tampa Bay game, I thought it was going to be a very because I had bet the under in that game. It was uh, forty two and a half. I bet the under, and I felt pretty good about that. And then, like we go into the fourth quarter, and uh, you were sitting pretty on that because I figured it was going to be a very very run run heavy game um, and two good defenses, and that's kind of how it went. But um, I was surprised, like Green Bay. I thought Leonard Fournette, based on what I had seen the previous week with the Packers and and the Bears, and the Bears running very, very well against that yeah. Packers front, I was like, man, Leonard Fournette's going to have a day. And that was the complete opposite. Um, he really didn't do much at all. So credit to Green Bay's defense for watching that film and, and uh, realizing how exposed they were getting with the running lanes. So they did a great job, and and so now they're going to be focusing on Stevenson and uh, Damian Harris this week. And you know, if they're able to shut down that run game and, and contain them, then you leave it with Brian Hoyer against those that good um, defensive cornerbacks. Uh, uh, um, yeah, good luck with that one, especially being in Lambeau. Like you know, they're going to be fired up after that nice win over Tampa Bay. But you know, um, I don't really give a ton of credit to the Packers. Um, about beating the Patriots, considering I mean beating the Buccaneers because they were missing their top three wide receivers. So and you know, three linemen. I mean, they were so banged up. Yeah, you know, but a win is a win, so you take it. You know, like when when it's there. So credit to them. But uh, I think this is going to be an easy win. I would be very comfortable, even though it is ten and a half, which is a big number. I'd feel very comfortable taking the over on the Packers this week. Yeah, I I, I honestly would be shocked if they don't cover the ten and a half. I, I feel like. Vegas, they, they almost don't want to disrespect the Patriots and put this line where it should be, but it, it probably should be 14 and a half because I, I just don't know how New England stays in this football game. It, they showed the Packers defense, like you said, they, they showed that they have the capability of slowing down opposing running games last week because they knew that the Bucs were going to have to lean on that ground game, just like New England is going to have to rely on their ground game this week. And if you can take that away, Hoyer throwing to Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne, I mean, yeah, New England is going to struggle to score points. And I'm not a huge fan of Green Bay's offense, but they're going to do enough to be in the 20s. And I don't think New England cracks 10. So I'm happy to lay the 10 and a half on this one. Okay, here we go. San Francisco 49ers minus two and a half against the Rams. Every time that these two teams play in San Francisco, it's usually the Niners taking it to them and playing really, really well. The 49ers um, are coming off a, as a 49er fan, I watched that and I had a parlay and I, and it was a five teamer, but I had them at plus five and a half because I teased up. So I was good. I won that. But I had them in two other bets for minus one and a half. They were favored in that game, and they failed to again disappoint me. It was um, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, the guy is just—he is who he is. He's an average quarterback. He's going to have some plays and some games that he's going to do well. But I heard on a podcast that Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback when everything else that's involved in football in the game offensively and defensively is perfect. If the defense is great, the running game is great. If the protection is great, if the play calls are great, he'll execute. But if soon as you, soon as something doesn't go right, the offensive line or the defense can't create turnovers and he has to carry the team, it's just frustrating because, I mean, have you ever, ever seen a quarterback 
get give his team a safety and basically a pick six in the same play. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I forgot about that safety. So, so in one week of NFL football, we got a new version of the butt fumble and a right. new version of the Orlovsky play. Yep. Remember Orlovsky, Dan Orlovsky years ago, running out of the back of the end zone for the Lions. And I forgot we watched something very similar with Garoppolo just jogging back and not noticing that he was out of bounds. It was, it was embarrassing. And, and yeah, I think you're right. When things aren't on schedule for the Niners offensively, if you ask him to be the difference maker, he can't do that. And it puts so much pressure on the Niners defense. And yeah, they gave up, you know, the game winning touchdown drive to Russell Wilson, but they, completely dominated that Broncos offense for 55 minutes. It's a lot to ask them to say, hey, don't let that offense score whatsoever all game long. Like that's that's a tough ask, even though they weren't playing well, the Broncos offensively coming in. And so unfortunately, it fault that loss. You you just needed a field goal. Even after they score a field goal, you get into range and you can win the game. And he couldn't make the plays that were needed. He didn't see the safety on that interception, which was it was pretty blatant. It was right there. I don't know how he didn't see them there. I mean, just too many mistakes. And I mean, you know, he also funny. missed. Jeff Wilson fumbled when they got that yeah. last chance. In my mind, I was thinking, well, Jeff Wilson just did Garoppolo a favor because Garoppolo was probably going to throw a pick like a play or two later anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, come into this game though, and if if there's one team the Niners want to see to get right, it's right. probably the Rams. They, they won six of seven against them. The most recent loss happened to be that NFC title game. And even then they led for the majority of the game. Um, it should be interesting. Personally, I'm concerned. I mean, the, the line at two and a half, anytime I see a team giving two and a half, it's telling me that Vegas is asking me to take them because, hey, they only have to win by a field goal. Right. But I, I, which is why I usually tend to lean the other way in these scenarios. But I, I, I haven't seen what I want to see from this Rams team. They don't look good this year. Their offense, they are so reliant on Cooper Cup offensively. Allen Robinson, I think, has seven catches this year in three Mm -hmm. games. He's non-existent. And Van Jefferson just got put on IR this week. And OBJ's not coming back anytime soon. Um, So they don't really have anyone else outside of Cooper Cup. They're not running the football very well. Um, You know, they played well against Arizona defensively. But Arizona digs themselves 20-point holes in the first half every game. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know how to have his team prepared going into a game. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. So I think that has more to do with Arizona's deficiency and less to do with the Rams. So I'm not confident in the Rams, but I'm also not confident in the Niners. If I was going to lean one way, I'd probably take San Fran and give the two and a half. But really, this is one game I think I want no part of. Well... After I got all that negativity off my chest, um, <laughs> the 49er defense, I saw a stat. They have only given up, I believe it was like 28 points in three weeks, and they're one and two. 28 points by the defense in three games, and they're one Nine and two. Nine points a game, and they're one Are and two. Are you that's, serious? Yeah, that's tough. That, that is, that's a crazy stat. Um, so after I shook off all the – all the negativity. Um, I feel good about San Francisco minus two and a half. I think they're going to bounce back. Jimmy has had games where he's this last week was probably one of his worst game as a 49er. I think they are going to come back at home and they're going to play very well. They're going to be 
the defense is still going to be playing lights out. They always play the Rams. They hate the Rams. It's it, like both teams just absolutely hate each other. So the Niners are really, really going to want this one. I think they're going to be able to – Cooper Cup's going to get his, and he's had a, like a lot of good games against San Francisco. So regardless of how good the secondary is, but if they can contain Cooper Cup and get to Stafford, it could be a long night for the Rams. But it's always a very, very entertaining matchup. Um, I think San Francisco bounces back has a good game, and um, everyone's talking about Jimmy Garoppolo being the savior again for San Francisco for the season. <laughs> so I feel very comfortable San Francisco minus 2.5 in this game. One thing, I haven't heard the update yet, but I just know that when Trent Williams left that field Sunday night, right, right. that didn't look good. And you know he's still, even in year 13, top five best offensive tackles in football. And right. that would definitely be a blow uh, both to your running game and to your passing game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that mm-hmm. develops over the course of the week. We'll probably be tweeting that out as this week goes along with along with any other injury news and notes. Um, well, I do. Well, I do know it's a high ankle sprain. It's four oh, it is. Weeks. Okay, so he's done for a month at least. Then yes, and I totally forgot that I took that into consideration. So, I mean, not having him one of the best, if not the best, left tackle in football, that is troublesome because Jimmy Garoppolo relies on protection because if the protection breaks down, have you ever seen him in the pocket when the pressure he's either like tap dancing everywhere. His eyes are not downfield. He's, he's just running in circles basically in the pocket. So if the pocket collapses, I'm just like, that's it. He's done. So um, yeah, that's going to be, so they're going to, Whoever steps in is going to have some big shoes to fill. So hopefully they can hold up the protection. If they do, I think the 49ers um, will win this game by at least three. All right, let's move on to the last game uh, of the week that we'll take a look at. And it's it should be maybe the game of the week. We get to see, possibly for the last time ever, Mahomes versus Brady. The Chiefs are going on the road to Tampa Bay. The Chiefs are favored by two and a half coming off their, their three-point loss against the Bucs, who also lost in heartbreaking fashion at home to the Packers. Um, Over-under sitting at 45-and-a-half. What do you think coming in? Uh, well, it depends on the weather, right? You know, um, we had somebody on the show. There's like a massive hurricane uh, going to be hitting Tampa. So, I mean, who knows if it's even going to be playing there. So, uh, based on that, we don't really know, like, the weather conditions, if it's, like, rainy and sloppy game. I mean, who knows? I uh, – they might the play Chiefs. the game in Miami. Really? Yeah. So so the Bucs are already practicing in Miami all week. The Dolphins mm-hmm. opened up their facility. The Dolphins, since they're playing on a short week in Cincinnati, um, you know, it, it works out luckily for the Bucs in, in that way. So they're going to be practicing in Miami all week. The Hurricane is supposed to be one of the worst ones, maybe the worst one to hit the Gulf Coast in Tampa Bay specifically in decades. It's supposed to be really, really bad. Um, And so I I don't see any way they're going to be able to play the game in Tampa. There's a good chance they're going to be using that stadium as a refuge to a lot of people in Tampa Bay and that part of Florida. Um, So I I don't think there's going to be any home field advantage whether the game is played there, Miami, or if at all. Um, and that, that's obviously a blow to Tampa Bay against an angry Chiefs team coming in. You know, they, they probably should have won the game against the Colts this past week. A lot of boneheaded mistakes, special teams mistakes. The young kicker, Matt Amendola, missed a short field goal, a 34-yarder, missed an extra point. They cost themselves. 
They had points that they left on the board at the end of halftime by not getting out of bounds. I mean, there was a lot of just bonehead things that went against Kansas City, and you'd think that they would button that up here. Um, But interestingly, Tom Brady is getting Evans back, Mike Evans back for sure this week. Yep. Julio Jones is likely to come back this week. And even Chris Godwin, there's a chance he comes back. So I think that's one thing that's going to be worth monitoring as this week progresses. If if only Evans is back and Brady is still stuck with Evans, who you know the, the Chiefs, their defense has played very well. Quietly, they've played really well this year. I think the Bucs are going to struggle offensively. Even their run defense, the Chiefs' run defense has been really good this year as well. Um so, and we saw Tampa Bay, their offense get stymied both on the ground and through the air again last week. I think I like Kansas City minus two and a half here. Um, I just don't trust that Bucks offense, even though I do think their defense is legit and will give them problems. But it should be a, a fun game to watch, nevertheless. Well, I'll put it this way. I mean, depending like how it goes, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait to bet on this game until I know what's going on with uh, Julio and Chris Godwin. If they're back, I feel very confident in this game um, that the Bucks are going to bounce back. Plus two and a half. Um, yeah, I yeah, feel I good. Agree. I, Both of them are in our playing. Because right. we've seen in the past, even when Julio plays nicked up, he did that a number of times with the Falcons. And even though he's not 100% and he's not putting up big numbers, he's still drawing a lot of attention. And with him being the third receiver, if you have all three of those guys out there, I agree. I think I would probably lean toward Tampa Bay, but there's just too many question marks. Yeah. And, you know, like, and people are like, what's going on with Tom, you know, this and that. But, you know, like, let's be honest, like they, you know, like when you don't have your top three wide receivers and uh, I'll be completely honest, like not having Gronkowski out there. I mean, they're bond together for so many years and not having him there is just such a big hole. Um, that he's just been so accustomed to for so many years. Especially so, in the red zone. In Tampa right. Bay, you know, they're normally one of the best red zone teams in the league. And they've struggled. They're, they're, they're among the worst red zone yeah. offenses in football this year. Yeah, so if those guys play, I feel very confident in taking um, the Bucks to bounce back this week uh, and take that plus two and a half. However, if not, I am with you. I'm taking Kansas City minus two and a half if only Mike Evans is playing in that game. Yeah, and it's interesting because normally I wouldn't put too much stock into which side of a game I'm going on the health of a receiver or two. But I think you're right that in this particular case, a lot of it is riding on the ability for Julio Jones and Chris Godwin to suit up because – you can bracket Mike Evans. You can find ways to take him out of the game if he's the only pass catcher that's reliable. And we saw Brashad Perriman got his chance to step up last week. Three catches, 40 yards, and a fumble. Russell uh, Gage. Russell Gage ended up catching 12 balls, but he had like 14 targets, and a lot of them were short passes over the middle. He also mm-hmm. fumbled in the game, uh, a costly fumble for the Bucs. Um, so Scotty Miller's Cole Beasley are the other receivers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, neither one of those guys made an impact at all. So I really believe that Jones and Godwin, their health is a huge factor in this game because the Bucks defense is good enough. Uh, they're healthy on defense and they're good enough to stymie the chiefs. We saw the Colts do it last week. I think their defense is good enough to keep them in the game, but will the Bucks be able to to get in the end zone. And if it's just Evans, I'm not confident that they'll be able to do that enough to win the game. So that this is definitely one to follow, you know, as a week progresses along with the hurricane. I think those are the two major factors really in yep. this game. Yep. 
All right, let's get into some more bets this week with Kendall's Corner. Go ahead, Kendall. All right, so last week we had a banner week in Kendall's Corner. We had the Bears minus two and a half. They covered with the overtime field goal win. They probably should have won by a little bit more than that. I was a little worried late in the game. Thankfully, their defense played very, very well. They ran the ball extremely well, just like I thought they would, even though it wasn't Montgomery. But their backup, Khalil Herbert, went nuts. Um, we also hit the three-team parlay with the Bears minus two and a half, Cowboys money line, uh, uh, was it Bengals money line. So that paid five to one. We lost this four-team teaser. We hit three out of the last one. We didn't get the over in the Rams game. The fumble from Akers at the one hurt us. But overall, up 450 for the week. So that was a solid week last week. Week three, I feel just as good. Indy at home against Tennessee. Tennessee got their first win, but that was against a Raiders team that we know is reeling right now. Indy, they're 1-1-1, one, one, and one, but they easily should be 2-1 and one more than likely. They're at home giving three, and it's a perfect matchup for Indianapolis. The Colts are third in rush defense. Meanwhile, Tennessee is 29th versus the run. I think we're finally going to see Jonathan Taylor get back to running the football successfully. Plus, Tennessee secondary is a nightmare right now. So I fully expect Indianapolis to have a very solid game offensively. Defensively, they might even get Shaq, uh, uh, Shaquille Griffin back in the lineup who hasn't played the last couple of weeks. Um, he's obviously a game changer, Darius Griffin, as everyone knew him up until this year. Uh, so with him back in the lineup, I love Tennessee minus three. I have a, a 16 teaser. You'll get five to one on your money if you if you hit it. I'm going to take the over in the Miami-Cincy game. I think we'll see plenty of points as we talked about earlier. Take the under. You want to tease the Bears-Giants under. It's We can tease it to under 45. No way those offenses are giving me 45 after what we've seen this season. Bills-Ravens, you can tease that down to over 45. I don't see any way we're not going to see over 45 in that game. Chargers-Texans, over 38 and a half. Even though I do think that the defenses are playing well, thirty. if you can get that number to 38, there should be enough that we go over there. Denver, you can tease them to go up to plus eight against the Raiders. And then the Packers, minus four and a half. You could tease that down to four and a half. Even though both Jordan and I agree, I, I'd even lay the 10 and a half here because I love the Packers in this game. But why not in the teaser, throw it in there, make it four and a half. That's an easy win. Finally, the parlay of the week, Cowboys money line. I'm very confident they're going to win once again. Eagles money line against the Jags. It might be close, but I love the Eagles to win the game. And the Packers on the money line. You'll get plus 155. Packers, we know they're going to beat the Patriots. Eagles, we're pretty darn sure they're going to win. And the Cowboys play at home against Washington. Those All three of those feel like very strong likelihoods that they win the game. Take those three money lines. You'll get one and a half to one on your money. That's Kendall's corner. Let's, let's make some money. Cooper Rush going for three straight wins. Like you're feeling good, huh? He's he's four and zero. He's already three and zero as a starter. He won his only game as a start last year. Washington. I think we saw that they're paper tigers last week against Philadelphia. And that Cowboys defense is legit. Yeah. They mm-hmm. are absolutely legit. They win this game based on their defense alone. Just like it's why I took the Dallas money line last week. I thought their defense would win the game against the Giants, and I was exactly right. Now. They, they got some good play from Cooper Rush and some other things happened. But that defense was the difference in that game. And I think they will be. If, Co- if Cooper Rush wins the next, like, let's say he goes, he wins like five, six games in a row and Dak's back. Do you keep Cooper Jerry Rush? Jones won't you- let, Jerry Jones won't let that happen. Um, he will make them insert Dak. And, you know, you're paying Dak $40 million a year. You pretty much have to put him back in the game. But I do think that if Cooper Rush continues to play as well as he has been, it allows you 
to not have to rush Dak back. You know, if they can keep winning, they, they win this game against Washington, they're 3-1. and one. Even if they drop the game after that, they're still in the mix, both in the division and in the conference. You don't need to force and rush Dak back as quickly as possible, and it allows him a little bit more time to make sure he's fully healthy when it comes back. All right. All right. So uh, make sure to listen in as soon as possible because we do have that Thursday night football game, the Bengals and the Dolphins. So uh, take our advice on that and get your money in. Hopefully you can win some money. Um, so uh, week four, man, football season's flying by. Hard to week four. Jeez, it's crazy. Uh, but that was awesome chatting with you, man. I hope everyone uh, um, made some money this last week and I hope we make more money this week. Thank you so much for listening. For Jordan, that's Kendall, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.